Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey friends, welcome back to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. I'm Beth McCord. And if you're watching this on YouTube, which I hope you are, that you will like this video and subscribe to our channel. That would mean so much to us. Now, I am super excited that you are part of this podcast series because we're featuring our director of coaching, Adam Breckenridge. Now, Adam is talking with some of our certified Enneagram coaches as they describe the various thoughts and limiting beliefs that have crept up into their life from time to time, holding them back on diving into Enneagram coaching. What was that like for them? Well, in this episode, you're going to hear from a type two, a type three, and a type four coach as they discuss with Adam that negative self-talk that inhibited them from moving forward and how it can still try to do so. But the steps that they have taken to overcome these limiting beliefs, I know you're going to absolutely love hearing from each of these coaches. So let's dive right in. Hey, welcome back to the show, friends. I'm Adam Breckenridge, Director of Coaching here at Your Enneagram Coach, standing in again for Beth and Jeff McCord. And in the last episode, And in the next couple of episodes, I'm sitting down with a panel of certified Enneagram coaches to talk about a common problem that affects all nine Enneagram types. And really, it's been argued this is the struggle, the problem that you will have to walk through in order to overcome, uh, you know, your um, all your fears, all the negative uh, interpretations about yourself. This is the thing you're going to have to walk through in order to become your best self. And it's a problem that goes by the name of imposter syndrome. Uh, It goes by other names. You may know it as self-doubt. If you're a type six, this is typically the way we talk about it. There's an inner committee of a lot of voices casting a lot of shadows and a lot of doubts. You may know it as limiting beliefs uh, that says you can't do this, you can't do that, you don't have what it takes. Head trash is one of my favorite terms for it. Um, Or... You have writers like Kurt Thompson who simply call it toxic shame. Whatever you call it, imposter syndrome is this embodied belief and this deeply felt experience that you are a fraud. You don't belong. You're an imposter. You don't ha- you're not enough. And, and it's only a matter of time before you're exposed and everybody else is on to you and they find out. I read this line from Maya Angelou uh, where she writes about this struggle in her own life. And and she said, quote, you know, I've written 11 books, but each time I write a book, I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. That's imposter syndrome. It's this part of us that threatens to keep us from emerging and pursuing our dreams, pursuing our calling and becoming who we were made to be. Ayodaji Awoshika, in his uh, book, How to Overcome Imposter Syndrome, he describes the imposter as a child in adult armor firing arrows at all your attempts to live. So that's about the best description of imposter syndrome that I've, I've ever read. It's this, it's this child that's trying to run your life and trying to keep you playing it safe, keep you from emerging, because if you emerge, you're going to get hurt. If you try, you're going to fail. So it's just this child in armor firing arrows at all of your attempts to live. 
So I think the question that we have to wrestle with in light of that is how do I lead this part of myself and overcome my head trash and my limiting beliefs in order to become my best self and move forward into the life that I want and that God wants for me? And today we have an amazing panel of certified Enneagram coaches here to share some of their story and help us answer that very question. So joining me for this episode are Linda uh, Hannigan, Eric Munoz, and Ben Sorrells. Hopefully I said all your names correctly. You'll have a chance to correct me if I didn't. But friends, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Did I butcher your names? Well, Harrigan's wrong, but Hannigan's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Sarles like Charles. Sarles like Charles. I like it. Okay, Ben. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get that right next time. No problem. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Um, uh, let's start by having you tell just a little bit about yourself. You know, your Enneagram type, family, where you live. You can share anything you want, but just some of that basic information. And Ben, why don't you jump in first? Sure. Um, first of all, I'm a Christ follower, um, husband and father. Um, I've been married for 26 years, and um, but we waited to have children. So I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. So there are times that I'm glad that I did that. And then there are other times when I try to keep up that I'm like, why did I do that? But I love them, <laughs> wouldn't change a thing. Um, I am uh, a community engagement director at a Christian radio station. And so my uh, job here is to connect and strengthen relationships, whether it is us to God or us to each other. And so I I do some mission stuff and and local community stuff. But one of my favorite things is the uh, getting to coach the Enneagram. Oh, nice. Love it. And what's your type? What's your Enneagram type, Ben? I'm a type two. Type two. Love it. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, Linda, what about you? Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Linda and I'm Canadian born and raised. I was raised in Vancouver, British Columbia, but I've lived in Tacoma, Washington for 20 plus years. I'm been married to my husband, Neil, for almost 23 years, and we have three sons. They are 19, 17, and 15. I also add to our family our tuxedo standard poodle. And um, I, in my life before kids in Canada, I was in advertising, public relations, and the marketing industry, and the technology industry, service industry. Came down here, raised our sons. And when my youngest started kindergarten, I started working on my Bachelor of Theology online with Portland Bible College. I've been kind of just picking at it, two courses a semester, and I anticipate completion next year. Really excited about that. I've become very passionate about teaching women, um, about women in the word. It's really just become a true passion of mine and Enneagram coaching. And it's interesting because I feel like whenever I told people I was taking my Bachelor of Theology, they'd be like, what, you want to be like a pastor or a counselor? And I'd be like, no, I definitely am not super pastoral. And no, I talk too much to be a counselor. I don't know what God (laughs) has for me. And I've honestly found that coaching just seems to be this sweet spot. I love people. I love people's stories. I'm really, really excited about unearthing what's been buried in our stories Mm. and bringing out. Um, And I just have always been 
super um, interested in gathering people, like gathering and connecting people to community. But in with this theology and with coaching, I've really seen that I'm gather people to themselves and to Christ. So wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell people that in my family, I have three in the anger triad. I have an eight, nine, and a one. So there's a lot of anger floating around, wow. but it's all managed beautifully in Jesus' name. And yeah, I'm a three. Um, I actually thought I was a two for eight months. So I love typing sessions. I have I really enjoy helping people untangle any doubt they might have around their number. Um, and then we also have a fun seven in our family as well. So it's a good blend. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Oh, Linda, that's so wonderful. Love hearing parts of your story. Can't wait to hear more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric, what about you? Hi, everybody. My name is Eric. Um, I do not like talking about myself, <laughs> but um, I live in New Jersey. I am uh, a content creator for a company that I've uh, started or a business that I've started myself called Valley of the Heroic, which is all about helping people find their purpose. I've tied that into my coaching um, and helping to provide people services in finding their God-given purpose and being able to live freely in that purpose uh, mm-hmm. through coaching and through the motivational things that I do as well. Um, I'm also a photographer and videographer um, as well. So that's another business that I run on the side and I'm just super passionate about uh, the creative aspect of life. As you uh, will know, I'm a type four <laughs> and um, I just love being able to express myself through um, different artistic expressions and being able to see the beauty in life. Um, I'm a father and a husband to my beautiful wife, Joanna, and my daughter, Kaya, and our soon-to-be daughter, who uh, is due for June 10th, Lily. And um, yeah, like I said, I've just been passionate about serving people and really just helping them to be their fullest selves, be the best version of themselves, and to find out what is it specifically that God wants you to do in this world, and how can you best find what that is but also make the journey there as streamlined as possible so that you don't go through too many valleys um, mm-hmm. more than you have to do. So yeah, that's just my passion in life. I love that, Eric. Thanks so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Now to, to the listener, what you may have noticed is, okay, we've have Ben is a type two. Linda 
is a type three. Eric is a type four. So they all actually make up the heart triad within the centers of intelligence. Twos, threes, and fours are in that feeling center. So, you know, you process and move into the world more out of a sense of emotion. And you share a common desire for a significant identity. You know, twos want to know that they're wanted and valued. Threes uh, want to be seen as successful and, and, and to be adored. And fours want to be special and unique. And those are, those are good desires. Those are all wonderful desires. Uh, but we know along with that desire for significance, there can be this imbalance. And sometimes there can be this common emotional struggle that you all share with shame. So I'm curious to start is is imposter syndrome something that shows up as this voice of shame for you? It, does it show up as this experience of shame in your body? And I hope I'm asking the question clear enough. But uh, Linda, let's, l- l- I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is this uh, yeah. is that is that how, kind of how the yeah. imposter syndrome takes shape for you? You know, it's actually when I think about it, Adam. I actually see the imposter syndrome of shame as being like two almost separate narratives in my head and probably they're mm. tied into one. But I think with the three, that self-deceit, this is when it kind of rears its head where even in my journey of Enneagram and the, like the type mis- mistyping, um, I like shame was something that wasn't up, up front for me until I had someone say, but do you do a lot of should haves or do you feel ashamed? And I'm like, oh, that? all the time. Like I should have done this better. I should have done this. Should I, I should have yeah. thought of that. I should have. Th- so yeah. once I, with unpacking and being coached, started to see what that sounded like in my head, shame. Absolutely. Like all the time, imposter syndrome. Yes. For me, the narrative is more, I loved what you say about Maya Angelou. It was more like, they're going to be on to me there. There's always yeah. this feeling like I'm a fake. I'm I've chameleoned and they don't really know what's underneath and what's underneath is never, never good enough. Like I'm never the best. I'm never, ever, ever good enough, good enough wife, good enough mom, good enough coach, good enough students, good enough anything. It's like that and hearing it out loud, it's wild because you realize it's something that I I have to digest literally every day. I'm just becoming more familiar with it and able to kind of talk back to it and go, no, that's not, that's not true. God's called me to be who I am and it's okay. That's right. And notice Mm -hmm. you're absolutely, you're absolutely right that the shame and the imposter are in one sense, two separate things, but they're, they're connected. And and that Mm -hmm. notice as you were talking, the, the, sh- the shame, the experience of not being enough, not being good enough. You said that's like, that's what's underneath it. That's what people are going to find out. That's what the imposter is worried for the, for the type three. That's what the imposter is worried that people are going to discover is that you're, you're, you're not enough. And so what the imposter yeah. is afraid of is shame, like being shamed, sure. being exposed. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what the imposter is going to work so hard for the type three to keep you from having that experience. Yeah. 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 Eric, what about you? Uh, Adam, as soon as you asked that, that question, funnily enough, I just feel like a wave of sadness just overtake mm. me. You know, it's just, it's crazy. If anything, I feel like when it comes to imposter syndrome, um, envy is the loud voice I hear on the front end. Whereas shame is the small voice that I hear at the back end Mm. after everything has kind of like washed away and I'm just left with my thoughts, you know, even today, you know, just coming into this, um, 
interview, you know, like where I feel, you know, privileged to be here, the narrative inside of my head, like we have, I don't know if you guys are experiencing imposter syndrome, but right now, you know, I'm struggling right now at this moment. Cause I'm like, I'm too young. I'm a Latino American kid from New Jersey. Um, what do I have to offer anybody? And it's that fundamental feeling that the four has where you're constantly looking at other people and seeing how great they are. And you don't want to take away what they have. You just wonder, why don't I have that? What is it about me that lacks so much and this constant narrative that you just have to battle where you're just constantly focusing on the the lack that you feel you have, the peace that's missing and finding that elusive peace uh, that you're never going to find. And for me, that has been a battle all of my life. It, it's tiring actually sometimes, mm. you know, and um, my tri-type is actually four, six, nine, which is triple self-doubting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my, tri- uh, that's my tri-type too, Eric. So oh I'm, my God. I'm with I just you. want to give you a hug right now. Because with you. I, <laughs> listen, when I found out that that was my tri-type and it said on the title, triple self-doubting, I said, yeah. wow, wow, this is why I don't even understand how I've, I've been able to accomplish anything in life, but I've really yeah. just had to battle that through fighting the shame by understanding by understanding that I'm centering myself instead of centering God in my life. Mm. And so I pushed through that by, by trying to listen and validate the words that God has spoken to me about me, that he considers about me and lifting those up instead of the inner narrative that plays out throughout the day. Wow. Eric, that's so powerful. Uh, I'll take that hug anytime, by the way. And yes, (laughs) thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Ben, so yes, shame is has definitely been a a narrative in my life. Um, I always want to be around people and want to be wanted and want to be needed. And so when I walk into a room, I can sense what people need um, in on an emotional level. And so, oh, they're not smiling is big as they normally are. So something's up. So I need to make sure that I pay attention to them and, and, and meet their need. And so much of my past has been trying to meet people's needs and be seen as helpful and be in order to be wanted, maybe that someday they will reciprocate. (laughs) And so when I fail to do that, um, I just feel like I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, Mm. what do I have to offer? You know, my wife and I have talked and there was a time in my life where I was like, people want me to be happy and helpful and positive. And if I'm not, then they don't want me. And Mm. of course, that's not how God, um, sees us. And the Enneagram has helped me take a hard look at um, some of the the things that I tell myself um, and that I allow myself to tell myself. It's given me grace for myself. So in my situation, I have grace for everyone else except me. And um, that's not how God operates. And so I've been able to... um, 
take the shame and speak truth to it. So even, so I'm a verbal processor. So I, I talk in order to get my perspective. Um, and that back and forth is what helps me land on a more healthy <laughs> perspective when I'm in my mind. Um, it's, it's, it's battling those things sometimes. And I have to physically speak <laughs> to myself sometimes and I get in an argument with myself sometimes um speak the truth um to my situation so um so even the longer I I learn and grow and am a student of the Enneagram um the more I see that I need God to speak to those areas of my life mm. yes yeah yeah, so true. And there's so many threads there that I want to pull. There's so many things I want to talk about. You're talking about speaking kindly to this part of yourself, which I, I have a sense will probably come up later in this episode. But um, let me just say, yes, uh, I love that. So we, we could we could sit here and talk about you know why each of you got into Enneagram coaching. But I think I could probably sum it up by saying, God used the Enneagram as a tool of transformation in your life and you want to pay that forward. You want to use that uh, in the lives of others. And you probably all have your own modalities and ways that you are using the Enneagram, but that's at the heart of it, right? You got into this because you want to help people experience the grace, Ben, like you're talking about, that God has for them and the change that he wants to bring into their lives. And the Enneagram, especially when paired with the gospel, is such a, a powerful tool. We all know that the the journey to becoming an Enneagram coach has its challenges. And this is a place where the head trash, the imposter syndrome can really get activated. And in my experience uh, in, in helping coaches get certified, that's the number one hurdle that people have to overcome in becoming an Enneagram coach. And not just in becoming an Enneagram coach, but in doing anything that's worth doing. Like, any desire or dream that people run after, any calling that they're pursuing, this is the thing that they have to overcome. And so for you guys, I'm, I'd love to hear, in launching and leading your own coaching business, can you describe what it's been like for you to push through those limiting beliefs? Because you can't go around them, you can't go over them, you can't go under them, you can't go over them. You have to go through them. So what has it been like for you to push through those? What is what have those sounded like to you and how have you how have you overcome those? And how are you still striving to overcome those? Eric, uh, I'd love to I'd love your thoughts on this. Yeah, thanks Adam. Uh it's us, you know, like you said imposter syndrome is something that I think n- n- very few people are exempt from. You know, you're going to have moments where you're doubting yourself. And for me, um, I actually quit my job and started my businesses all at the same time, just because I felt mm-hmm. that God, that's what God was calling me to do um, at that given moment. And it still was very difficult because what I did was I spent so much time, you know, acquiring gear. Uh, learning uh, the creative process of videography, photography, going through the coaching classes, which the huge light lifesaver was when um, I think I was in the first uh, class or whatever you want to call it that did the uh, three weeks um, uh, fast track. Fast track. 
Yeah, that was yeah. like a lifesaver because if not, I would have just kept putting off watching the classes. It gave me a reason to get through it. And so um, I think that when it comes to imposter syndrome, if you don't really attack it head on, if you don't choose, make a decision and choose to move forward and choose to start, that's what it really comes down to starting, which I really struggle with starting. Hmm. If you never make that decision, you're going to be constantly stuck at this impasse and never really stepping into what God is calling you into and stepping into the dreams that you have in life. And for me, that's what it really came down to. Um, it came down to starting and believing in the fact that one, God was calling me into something, but two, there wasn't something else that was missing for me to acquire, um, for me to be able to be ready to start. Starting was the beginning of being the beginning of being ready. And through the oh. process, I would become more ready and continually grow into uh, the role and the placement that God has in my life for coaching and for all of the other things that I want to do. So it takes it takes starting. You know, I say that uh, one of the things that I like to say is that the biggest risk that you can take is taking no risks at all. If you're not taking that risk, if for you, it might seem for, for you, the listener, you might be thinking at this moment, well, this is too much of a risk for me. I'm safe and comfortable where I am right now. And I would, you know, ask you, are you really safe? Are you really comfortable? Are you really truly happy with where you are? And is taking a risk. The first YouTube video I did was titled taking the risk. I quit my job. <laughs> and I had just finished my certification and I had just started everything right at that moment. And um, I wouldn't give up that risk for anything because that risk was what needed to happen in my life for me to grow and for me to get past the imposter syndrome uh, to a degree, because I still deal with it for, to this day. But it was the biggest battle. I won the biggest battle and the battle was to start. So that, that is so powerful. We could do a whole podcast episode on just start, you know? Um, but I'm hearing you say like, how do you, how did you push through? Uh, you started. And I, I particularly yeah. love when you said I had everything I needed to start because you had your need. That's all you had, right? You just, mm -hmm. you just had your need, you had your faith. And uh, what's the old cliche of like faith is spelled R-I-S-K, you know, R-I-S-K mm. risk is how you spell it. So um, absolutely, that's that's such a way to push through the imposter syndrome is to just start and, you know, easier said than done. But it's also yeah. uh, it's also profound and how simple that really is just to just to take the right next step and start. Yeah, I love that, Eric. Ben? What about you? So I want to just, um, there's a saying, and I don't know who said it. Um, God doesn't always call the equipped, but he equips the called. Yeah. And when he's called me to several different things in my life. So part, part of my story is pastoral ministry and, and here at the radio station. Um, so many voices of head trash I have told myself and to to give excuses why I wouldn't work doing these things and um, whether it's a fear fear of failure um, inadequacy money um, and I I just 
felt God tell me, don't be the thing, the one who stands in the way of you doing something great. Because if he's called you, he's going to equip you. So therefore, it's up to him to, we just give our loaves and fish, and it's up to him to multiply. Mm -hmm. And so I just need to show up and be willing. And so he has taken my my initial um, excuses. And when I took the risk and, and entered into the out of my comfort zone, um, he's really taken me to places that I, I never would have dreamed. And so the thing I love about um, the certification uh, process with your Enneagram coach, um, I haven't started my own business yet, but I have used coaching in the Enneagram through the radio station. And so mm-hmm. I've been able to coach a mission organization and small market radio stations that pour into people on the airwaves for a living. And I would have never dreamed that that would have been a way. And I almost stood in the way of that because of my head trash. And I can honestly say it's not my um, abilities it is God opening a door that I need to walk through. I can't help, you know, my mind races when you, when you, you reference the story of the, the loaves and the fish. And what's so fascinating about that story is Jesus calls his disciples to feed these people. And, um, they don't have what they need in order to feed them and they can't do it. And so there's this, there's this sense that God sometimes calls us to do uh, what we can't do with what we don't have. Mm. And uh, he supplies the need. So it's like you're saying, Ben, it's trusting that he's going to give us what we need and supply us with what we need in order to do what he's called us to do. And boy, that's, that's the hard thing about the imposter does not want to let go. And the the imposter wants to keep us safe and protect us and keep us in the comfort zone and keep us from taking risks and keep us from even, even talking about our dreams. I think I referenced this in the last episode, but it's been said that it's scarier to talk about your failures than it is your dreams. It's scary to talk about your dreams. It's scary to, it's it's so vulnerable to be open and honest about here's what I want to do. This is what God has put in my heart. This is what I want to run after. Because the moment you do that, now you're, it's out there. And what if you fail? You know, Mm -hmm. so I, uh, Ben, I love that story. And that's, that's so huge. It kind of goes with what Eric's saying is you have to take that step of, of faith. If this is what you want and this is what God is leading you to do, you have to just take the right next step. So Linda. I actually hung back from getting certified for a year because I knew I was a three and I wanted to make my sure my motivations were correct. And I actually Mm -hmm. decided the best thing to do to really really look at my motives, really look at why I felt called or, you know, whatever was that, um, to be coached myself. And so I, um, was going to do the group coaching in the summer of 2020 and ended up that I was the only one that signed up as a three for the the three group and ended up being coached by, um, a YEC coach. And it was the best way 
to address the head trash in a mm-hmm. safe environment where I could say things out loud that I, to your point, like dreams out loud, um, shameful things like in my head out loud and feel like it was a beautiful, safe environment and have someone say, what else, how else would you rather think about it? Or what does God think about that? And to really wrestle through like that God designed me as a three and it's, I love, I, there are aspects of it that I love, you know, like I love Mm -hmm. hearing people's dreams. I can, I can cast dream vision with people all day long. Um, but then as well, because on the flip side, I, I do have a hard time articulating my dreams because I'm afraid of failing myself. Right. And so really being coached was so helpful going into being a coach and seeing where that narrative shows up time and time and time again, and just being really more authentic with myself about like, yeah, there it is, you know, and there's nothing like having to just jump into like, I, my first client was actually a male five. And I mean, of all the numbers, I was most afraid of coaching a five because I knew they were going to sound way smarter than me. They all probably know everything about the Enneagram anyway. Like, what is the point? And so I literally like, I can still see it in my head, being at my desk and having my face down on the, on the table, my first session going, Jesus, I have no idea why I'm doing this. I want to call it all off right now. <laughs> like I was ready to email this guy and say it's over. I've changed my mind. Don't want to do this. You know, and it's been a year and a half of coaching. And I would say, Adam, like, it's not like the head trash is entirely gone. It's like you said, it's like, I'm able to sort through it better now. Like, yeah, it's sort of like how our trash here in the Northwest, we have to like glass and compost and recycling and actual garbage. And, but there's something about taking each one of those thoughts and going, oh yeah, no, I don't need that thought. That's not helpful. Or there's a beautiful thought behind that, you know, that I, I want for people to succeed and I want to succeed because I want the best for other people, but just to like, yes. not let it be shameful to like, look at it, think it through and go, oh, that's okay, Linda it's not about me anymore in a performance. It's about me just showing up, being present, holding space for other people to process their thoughts and just ask good questions where they can just feel safe and looking at their thoughts. Yeah. Linda, why did you keep that appointment? What, what kept you from canceling that appointment with that yeah. top five? Um, I didn't want to let, it was actually my husband that had recommended me. So thanks to my husband for that. Like my first client was a a colleague of my husband's. So I think there was a huge amount of shame. Like it was probably shame that held me back in a sense, right? Like of feeling like, oh, if I had, if I had not fallen through with that, I would have not been able to recover from the shame. Honestly, it was, it was probably more the shame of canceling that kept me to the rather, I'll be honest, than this sort of like, you can do it, Linda. It was like, (laughs) I bail. Like if I bail on this, it's over. Um, I won't be able to recover, but yet, um, and I, I would say, Adam, like I still like, it's a year and a half and there are days when I show up and I go, I'm not, this is what am I doing, Lord? You know, but it's like time and time and time again, I just see like, we need community and that Enneagram is, as I think uh, Suzanne Stabile says that it's self-reflective work that's actually best done in community. And it's Kurt Thompson too, that talks about how when we're brain to brain, like our right brains are connecting and that's where we're renewing the minds. Like that's the beautiful part. And so it's just Mm. me showing up and just like knowing the Holy spirit is a part of this, even though it's digital, the Holy spirit still show totally shows up. And they can just Mm. say it and they have the answers within them. Like they know it. They just need to get it out and process it. And it's just, 
it's so beautiful and earthing, you know, these thoughts that usually the thought, that thought behind the thought is where the, the real moment is. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. You know, one of the things you mentioned that has helped you move through, not 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 get over, because we don't mm-hmm. necessarily probably ever get over this part of us, but to move through life and not let this part of us hold us mm-hmm. back. You know, you mentioned community, mm-hmm. uh, just having like the, the coaching you received, your husband. Mm-hmm. You know, like having people in your life that are safe, that you can trust, that you can share these things with, and you know they're not going to meet you with shame. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna affirm you. They're going to encourage, which literally means they're gonna give you the courage you need to move forward. And I'm I'm glad you didn't cancel that appointment. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. kept that appointment. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I will say this too, like along those lines, like as someone who was a prodigal daughter for eight years, like I love mm-hmm. being with people processing their relationship with Jesus because there's really not very much that someone could say that I would be like, oh, that's shocking, like we're all sinners and we've all had our journey and it's like Mm. just being a space where people can be really honest and yeah. And not meet with shame. You're right. Like it's, it's a, it's a shame free zone. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the beauty of coaching. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's honestly, you're providing a safe place for someone to come and, and, and discover themselves, explore and become uh, who they were made to be. Yeah. In a, in a very safe, non-judgmental space. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. You know, I want to ask you guys, there's this, there's this great line, uh, Brene Brown's made it famous, but it's a line from Joseph Campbell where he says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So, you know, it's this image of you're standing in front of a cave and it's dark and scary. You don't have the certainty you want to have about what is inside the cave. What is, what is, 10 steps inside the cave. You don't, there's so many unknown unknowns about like, if I go into this cave, what is going to happen? If I jump, what's going to happen? And so there's a fear that you feel if your heart works, you should feel afraid. Uh, But you know, there's treasure inside the cave. And so I love this quote because it's this image of, okay, to get the treasure, you must walk through your fear. So I'm curious for you, what is the treasure that you have discovered as you've walked through your fears and self-doubt to get certified and to pursue this, this desire of becoming a certified Enneagram coach? What's the treasure in the cave that has made it all worth it for you? Ben, what about you? Um, I would have to say the, the fact that the Enneagram has been so literally revolutionary to me, um, for myself. Um, so in a journey for self care, the Enneagram popped up, you know, seemingly out of nowhere. And so the cave that I, I feel like I was afraid to enter was, so I had a fear of being alone. And in my job, so I'm an event planner also. And so I live in Maryland and I, um, our radio station is in Delaware and covers Eastern Shore, Maryland, Virginia, South Jersey. And so I'm always around people. And the, the lesson that can be learned, especially for a type two, um, is solitude 
can be so helpful to center you. And mm-hmm. so my fear of being alone kept me from experiencing solitude. And so I mentioned when I walk into a room, I can just sense what people need. Well, in order to stop sensing what people need, I have to get out of the room for a time and just hear from God. And it so transformed my heart that I felt like I have to share this. And so money was a a significant factor for me. And, you know, when God really shows up, there's an element of faith that we have to exhibit on our part. Um, if, If there wasn't, then he would just be giving us things, you know, all the time. And so, um, I, I had committed that I'm going to go through with this. And then he brought circumstances and situations into my life to help make it possible. So it, it, it's kind of a convoluted answer. My fear of being alone led to solitude, which meant that I could have, um, the experience of God centering me. And then I wanted to share that with others. And then the fear of not being able to afford it, you know, um, God showed up and, and said, okay, what do you got next? What, what else can I take care of? You show me that mustard seed sized faith. And Mm -hmm. so again, not for myself, not to be the, the thing that stops me. Love that, Ben. Linda, what about you? What's the treasure? Yeah. So I was chewing on that quite a bit over the past 24 hours. And um, I've worked through that line actually with with my coach and have really seen that it was authenticity for sure. And, um, mm. you know, I have been seeing that with kind of like each step into that cave is sort of like seeing that I don't need to adjust myself to whatever I feel like someone else is wanting me to be. And it was getting mm-hmm. tiring. Like I'm in my 50th year of life and I'm like, I'm tired of like, I just want to be me. And, that, but I also didn't really know who I was. Like if someone had said to me, like, mm-hmm. who are you? I'd be like, I don't know. You know? Um, but what's wild, Adam is just this morning I was thinking about it and I thought, wow, like, how am I going to treat that treasure once I find it? Like, do I see it as like a trophy that I'm going to run around going, woohoo, I got there because that's not what it's about. You know, and I thought about that line. It's not about the destination. It's the journey. And so for me, I feel like actually that it's the journey into the cave that is the treasure. Like, um, and what's, I, I got to share this. Like I was reading, I thought about that proverb. Um, it's like about wisdom and it's Proverbs two verse three. And it says to cry out for insight and ask for understanding. And I thought, wow, like to have insight and understanding on myself to truly understand myself has been that treasure and to not have shame that I don't really know who I am. It's, but yet I kind of do, and I'm still there, but it's not like a, um, a treasure that I'm running around feeling like, I've won the prize. Like, it's not about that. It's about when I really am genuinely myself and authentic to myself, I am actually a better person in my community. I'm a, I'm a better wife. I'm, I'm, you know, like I can be, God's called me for this and for this season. So I'm loving the journey. Like I almost don't want the, how, how do I say this? It's hard work. I will be super honest. It's not fun work at times. Like yeah. it, it, it hurts to dig deep. Yeah. And yet the yeah. work is so worth it. Like 
you almost don't want the journey to end because I just feel like I'm getting more to the gold of who I am instead of being a fake shiny version of me that started at the beginning of the cave. Wow. That's so good, Linda. That is the treasure, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the journey. It's the journey. The journey yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what am I going to do with it? Like, that's what I've really been contemplating this morning. You know, if I have insight and understanding and that's wisdom and that comes from God, what am I going to do with it? So. Yeah. It's a powerful question. Eric, what's the treasure? Well, you know, uh, what Linda said was really good just now. You know, there is so much value in the journey itself. You know, um, when something is truly good, typically it's hidden. Like you have to work for it. You have to do the work necessary to be able to achieve it. And for me, that was that treasure was um, being able to trust that God actually saw something good in me. Mm. That that God had a plan and a purpose for me and believing in that, you know, people um, have pretty much been telling me ever since I was a kid and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I just always had that constant, not to be cliche uh, when it comes to force, but it was just really loud. The feeling of just not being enough and just mm. having something missing. And mm. when you get so like, you know, we all have our things and all the types have their specific things that they will struggle with. And as human beings, we all have this head trash that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And if you just let yourself to get enveloped in that, um, that voice just becomes louder and louder and louder. And sometimes you just, you have to get to a point where you're like, you know, enough is enough. I need to break this voice. I need to step into this cave that I'm afraid of because I know that I might not know what the treasure is, but I know that there is treasure there. And um, as I go through this process and as I allow God to reveal to me the purpose that he has for my life and trusting in him and stepping out, taking the risk and pushing past shame and all of those things, um, I just feel him, the treasure of him uh, really showing me that not only am I enough, but I'm excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for me. That's so hard for me because when you constantly look at what's missing, the imperfections, the comparison to other people, um, and like I said earlier, that voice becomes so loud, to think that you are excellent enough to bring something to this world is something that can be so hard to accept. Mm. It's something that's like, no, how dare I think that of myself? I'm so imperfect. I'm so broken. I'm so lacking or however we interpret that. And so for me in that process, in that cave, uh, as you said, you know, God really showing me that not only am I enough, but he's making me excellent throughout that process. Oh, man. That's so good, Eric. Good. That's so beautiful. It is so hard to receive, you know, and, and, and it's imposter syndrome stuff. It's shame stuff. It's hard, but it's, it is hard sometimes to receive the father's affirmation because sometimes elements of our story have shaped us to believe something different about ourselves. Um, but one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because it's so vulnerable. To, you know, you said it's so hard to accept that. And, and the reason why is because to accept it, you just simply have to open your hands. And that's yeah. a very vulnerable posture, 
right? Uh, whereas the imposter is guarded, you know, hands or fists are clenched and there's this guarded kind of taking and defending posture. And for you to step into the cave, you do, it requires you to literally open your hands and say, okay, I don't know where we're going. I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know what kind of hurts this is opening me up to. Um, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to go on the journey. And along the way, you're going to receive his presence, lots of affirmation from him, lots of gold, as you said, Linda, is going to be unearthed in you. And uh, that is the, that really is the treasure. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, last question, what, what would you say? I'd love to just hear each of you in brief. What would you say to someone whose head trash is holding them back from doing what they want and, and particularly you know, becoming a certified Enneagram coach. If that's, if that's a heart that's being, if that heart is being stirred in listeners at the moment who say like, man, I want to get into coaching people to overcome this head trash stuff and become their best self. But I've got my own head trash about becoming a coach. I mean, what would you say to someone who's being held back by those limiting beliefs? Linda? Yeah, um, actually, I would, whether you want to be an Enneagram coach or not, I would say 100% be coached around that, like jump in and, and be yes. coached. Um, it's like, I, I tell people, um, it's sort of like, if you're wanting to be an Enneagram coach, and depending on your practice, if you're wanting to do like more workshops, I wouldn't, you know, that maybe this isn't entirely true. But I tell people like saying you want to be an Enneagram coach and not being coached is sort of like telling people go to church, but you're not walking in the building yourself. <laughs> like you kind of got to walk it out. And I will say like probably the best way to deal with it is just coaching other, actually your own number. <laughs> and so I have actually found like the, the number I love and hate the most coaching is a three. Um, in the same breath, because it's like, you're sitting here facing someone who's telling you the exact same things that you actually believe. And on one hand, I want to go, yeah, wow. I totally get that. I a hundred percent agree. Don't mm. feel your feelings. It's not worth it. You know? And yet I am sitting there going, no, when you learn to feel with a feeling and are like, just start practicing, giving it a name. Um, that's where I, like you can't just walk the walk. You gotta, you know, you can't or talk the talk. You gotta walk the walk. And so, being coached is so valuable. It's just, I to me, it took enneagram from just information to full on revelation. Wow. Mm. Find a coach. Yeah, I mean, the best mm -hmm. coaches have coaches, right? Yeah, the best therapists mm -hmm. have yeah. therapists. The best pastors have pastors, Pastor. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. I totally agree. Um, and, you know, listener, if you're like mm -hmm. thinking, where do I find a coach? You can visit myenneagramcoach.com and you can find a certified Enneagram coach. And I think that's, I think that's wonderful wisdom, uh, mm -hmm. Linda. Eric, what would you say? Someone whose head trash is holding them back from, you know, becoming a coach. Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, whether you want to become a coach or you're afraid of taking any risk in your life or taking some type of new business venture, uh, the reality is, is that what you need to understand is that there are people who are half as talented as you who are making serious waves right now. The mm -hmm. only difference between them and you is that they believed in them in themselves enough to start. Mm. 
So stop not believing in yourself. If God's calling you to do something, you go do it. End the story. That's all I would say. Yeah. 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 That's so good. And and what the imposter is going to say is the imposter is going to say, you can't do this. All you have is a couple loaves and some fish. Like you don't have what it, you don't have what it takes. But what I'm hearing you say is it's helpful sometimes to agree with the imposter and simply to look at that part of yourself and say, you know what? That's right. That's all we have. And that's enough. God's going to use it. That God's going to use this, you know? Um, That's great, Eric. Uh, Ben, what about you? What would you say? I think one of the important things is to try to identify where your head trash is coming from. Um, because, and we've talked about anything worth doing, it's the same story that we're telling ourselves in becoming an Enneagram coach as it is with doing other things that God's called. It's not something new just because it's coaching. It is the same old story that we are allowing ourselves to be told. And I think when you take a look at where the head trash is coming from, then it helps you put the head trash in the proper place. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I standing in the way of what God wants? Well, yeah. you know, I try to reason with my head trash. <laughs> that don't work <laughs> because <laughs> it's not reasonable. Um, it's yeah. not spiritual. Um, it is trash. And so what do you do with the trash? You take it out. Yeah. Mic drop. There it is. There it is. <laughs> well, we're done, everybody. Uh, we spent the whole episode to get to the application point of just take out the trash. All right. Just take out the trash. And uh, it's such a good word, though. And and honestly, um, you know, I think one of my favorite things to say these days is um, it's not easy, but it's that simple. You know, not everything that's simple is easy to do, but it's that simple, right, Ben? It's like you you just set a boundary with that part of you that's that's speaking all this negative uh, stuff. You know, you draw a gentle boundary with that, and you say, "Look, I'm not I'm not going to let that control my life. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove that. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna keep moving." So. Um, and along those lines, like I think that when it comes to thoughts and taking out the trash, it really is something done like in journaling and processing and with in prayer with yeah. someone else. Like for me, I found yeah. like just stuffing that trash, you know, like it's not the same as like literally getting out onto a piece of paper. Like you can't just wipe out the trash. There's just something about like sharing it with someone and saying it out loud so that you can hear it for what it is. Like God can't heal. what's not been revealed. I think it's Christine Kane that says that. So like just really like just getting it out there, that's what helps to kind of sort through it. You know, for me, my experience has been just trying to shove that trash away. It just simmers, you know? So Mm -hmm. he's so right. Like just get it out. It's like, yep and do it in community, like do it with a coach, do it with your mentor, do it with your prayer partner, do your spouse, but just to kind of keep it inside. And I just don't think. Yeah. You need a safe, non-judgmental space Mm -hmm. to take it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So good. 
Thank you, Ben, Linda, Eric, for joining us today. I, I know this has served me so well. It's encouraged me uh, deeply, and I know this is mm -hmm. going to serve our listeners and certainly anyone who may uh, consider becoming an Enneagram coach. Uh, thank you so much. And yeah. to those of you who are listening and watching, uh, if you're interested you know, in becoming an Enneagram coach and helping lead others on this journey of moving out of the imposter self and into your true self and becoming your, you know, your best self using the tool of the Enneagram. Our certification course will be reopening for enrollment June 21st. We'll close on June 28th at midnight. And like all coaches who have gone before you, you will have to walk through your own head trash and imposter syndrome on this journey of becoming a coach or doing whatever it is that you desire. But there is treasure in the cave that you fear. Thank you all for tuning into this episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. And remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is only the gospel that transforms us. Thank you all for joining us.